the Sermon on the Mount series. Yes, this is part 24. <clears throat> Jesus took 24 minutes. I took 24 sermons. So, <clears throat> um, uh, uh, it, wrapping this up. And uh, as I've said before, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, uh, the purpose of this series was to take our time and to kind of uh, go deeper verse by verse through the, the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, normally we um, do our series are only like four weeks long or one month, but I just wanted to take, just not, not worry about the time restraint, take as long as it took. And so it's taken 24 sermons. <clears throat> All right. So uh, it seems loud. I don't know, uh, Austin, is it loud? Can we turn it down a little bit? <clears throat> and my voice is a little off. I've been having allergies, um, but they're better. Praise God. And thank, thank the doctor. I had to go to the doctor for allergies. First time in my life for allergies. <sighs> um, so the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus' vision statement for His kingdom and uh, what He expects of His disciples. So as Jesus went and, and ministered, he, he, would tell, he would call people and say, follow me. Uh, and then the disciples responded to him, but, but thousands really responded by following him, by uh, uh, becoming uh, uh, his disciples and learning from him. And then, you know, he had in mind uh, a kingdom, what, what he came to establish, and it's not fully established yet. We're still in the process of establishing it. It won't be fully established on earth until he returns and reigns uh, uh, literally over the entire earth uh, in His second coming. <clears throat> but this is the vision statement of what the kingdom is to look like. And the lifestyle of those who follow Him, who answer the call to follow Him. And so it's really Jesus explaining that. So if you want to know Jesus' idea of what it means to be a Christian, this is it. <clears throat> and church is is part of that. Church is the assembling together of those who are His followers. And it's it's the place where, where, where we, we gather together to worship and we gather together to learn and we gather together to encourage one another to go out and win the world, to continue what Jesus started by uh, establishing His kingdom. <clears throat> he ends the sermon with a number of illustrations that depict what an authentic disciple looks like. And so that's what He's wrapping up with. And let's just read verse 24 through 29. <clears throat> it says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. And the rains descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell. And great was its fall. And so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings that the people were astonished at His teaching, for He taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. So we're just going to take a look at this verse by verse. Verse 24, it says, Therefore, who hears, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. The previous verse, if you remember a couple of weeks ago, I shared on <clears throat> was uh, contrasting those who called Jesus Lord and either did 
the will of the Father or did not do the will of the Father. So it's contrasting people who called Jesus Lord and, and, and lived it in their lives or not. This section, however, contrasts those who hear Jesus' words and either does Jesus' words or does not. And so there's kind of an increase, if you will, I think, <clears throat> that um, even hearing the words of Christ... Uh, um, uh, creates an accountability on the part of the hearer. Right. All right? And so, not only those who call Him Lord, but don't, don't live the lifestyle that He declares will be uh, uh, judged according to it. But even those who hear His words and don't live it, um, you know, he's, he's saying those people are, are like the foolish uh, builder and will end up uh, um, being judged because of it. Erdman's uh, Bible commentary, actually I think it's a a one-volume Bible commentary, says, if words without actions have just been condemned, now hearing without action is condemned. And so you see a progression. That's one of the things you look for as you're reading the Bible is progressions from one step to the next. And of course, Jesus had just said those words a few minutes ago. It wasn't like He preached it two weeks ago like you guys are hearing it two weeks later. He just said, if you call Me Lord but don't do it, um, you're going to be judged. But even if you hear My words and don't do it, you're going to be judged. Wow! So there's a progression. It covers, it it increases in intensity. And so, and then He goes on and says, these sayings of Mine Right? Jesus, again, makes an astounding claim of authority. We can't grasp how radical these words were in Jesus' day. For us, we're sitting in a church. Christianity has been established for 2,000 years. In fact, some people think we're in the decline of Christianity. It's not actually true. The Christian church is growing faster now than it has ever grown in, the, in world history. Okay? <clears throat> It's just in Western civilization, the Christian underpinnings, the Christian foundation is falling apart. But at the same time, it's exploding in places like China. It's exciting. In our lifetime, there could, be, there already are more Christians in China than there are estimated in, in all of Europe. And so, which Europe used to be completely Christianized. And in our lifetime, it could be more Christians in China and Asia than in the whole world. Wouldn't that be something? Ha! And then they'll be saying, oh, Christianity's, you know, Chinese religion. (laughs) How ridiculous. It is a Chinese religion. It's an American religion. It's a uh, Middle Eastern religion. It's a human. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's truth. Yeah. And so I kind of got sidetracked there. What was I? These things of mine. Oh, what an astounding claim of authority. Because Jesus would have said that, and everybody who heard those words would have been like, What did you just say? All right. Not only is he saying that a person, you know, dictating how a person should live based on his words, but also how they will be judged eternally, entirely based upon their response to his teaching. Whoever receives these teachings of mine, wow. Okay, I was listening to a Jewish uh, talk show. Actually, it was a program where this guy called Dennis Prager, who I'd never heard of before, but apparently he's got a, a very popular talk show. Uh, he's a conservative, but he's not a conservative Christian. He's a conservative Jew. And so he, he talks about 
the economy and politics and everything is kind of like a Jewish Rush Limbaugh, I guess. <laughs> Not that Rush is necessarily a Christian. I don't really know where he's coming from. Is he a Christian? All right, well, we'll pray for him. <laughs> um, uh, so this guy is a Jew, and he's really outspoken in his Judaism, although he's, you know, he's, he's pretty, he embraces other religions, but he mainly talks conservative, uh, uh, he, he talks from a conservative um, point of view, and it was Dennis Prager, uh, uh, in a dialogue with Ravi Zacharias. And Ravi Zacharias, if you've never heard of, is a scholar. He's actually Indian. By uh, his, He's born in India. But he's um, a Christian um, apologist and intellectual. <clears throat> and so you have a, a Jewish intellectual known for his books and writings and Ravi Zacharias uh, known for his books and writings and speaking. And then the host was Jeff Foxworthy. Yeah. <clears throat> well, if you don't know, is this is this redneck Christian comedian, all right? <laughs> and I was like, when I heard those three, I'm like, I gotta watch this. So Jeff Foxworthy and Robbie Zacharias, you know, and it was clearly, uh, it was really good. <laughs> uh, I, I thought it was, it was a good uh, interaction there. <clears throat> but one of the things uh, Dennis Prager was was saying was a great discussion and and uh, between the two faiths uh, and really the similarities. But Dennis. Uh, Prager said that he was trained in his, in his training by the rabbis to always quote the source before making any or of any statement that he makes. And so, if he referenced anything, he was just he was it was ingrained into his training that even in his talk uh, he would always quote uh, whoever he was talking about. And he was making a point that in Judaism, uh, uh, truth is more important than ego was his point uh, that he was in the context of something else he was talking about but I happen to have been studying this passage and, and the contrast of, of Jesus not giving a reference and how in the Jewish world I, I'd read that in other places uh, historically that the scribes were always uh, they would always quote the references and always explain why, if they made a point, they would say, because a Rabbi so-and-so said this, because Rabbi so-and-so said this, because it's found in Isaiah and it's found in Jeremiah, and he makes all this argument for the case. But Jesus just comes out and says, you have to live based on my teachings. Like, wow! In fact, the truth is, Jesus did not vary from the tradition of the scribes. Because... He was the source. Come on. All right. He was quoting the source. He is the source. All right. So in that sense, he was continuing in the tradition of the scribes. He was being a legitimate rabbi. But the impact that that would have had on those who heard, they would not have missed it. In fact, this is why... You know, the leaders of the, of the Jewish uh, religious system at the time ended up uh, conspiring to have him arrested and crucified because of his claims of divinity. And so if you ever think, or if someone's ever talking to you and say, well, Jesus was a good teacher. Listen, a good teacher doesn't say things like that. Right? If I were to say to you, your life will be a failure or a success based on how you receive my Cameron's teachings. In fact... Your eternal destiny is going to be determined on whether or not you live the, according to my rules and regulations, how I define life. What would you think of me? Would I be a good pastor? I would be a whack. Okay? <clears throat> Seriously. Right? 
These are not, you know, whatever ideas I communicate have authority and validity only because I'm, I'm taking them from Scripture. And I'm trying, and my job is to take Scripture, eternal truth, and, and phrase it and, and communicate it in a way that applies to 21st century Christians living in, you know, Michigan. <laughs> or wherever I happened to be preaching at the time. Uh, but Jesus wasn't that. He was speaking the truth. He was the authority. And, and so here is another example of where Jesus claims, the claim that he makes is very, very clear, and no one would have missed it. Right. And some of the people in the audience would have been really upset at that. And other people would have been puzzled. You know? And other people didn't hear it because they were fiddling with their iPhone. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, and in addition to Jesus, another little step that you can make is okay, Matthew's writings going all the way back, one of the earliest Gospels, you know, the church preached this from the beginning. This was not a myth that was created hundreds of years later. All right. No way. It's right here. In the, in the original accounts, the first-hand accounts of Jesus' life that we have in recorded history was Jesus making these claims. In fact, the whole of Matthew, and this is the, the, still the beginning of Matthew, the whole of Matthew is the presentation of this point, that Jesus is the Messiah that was promised to come. All right? And so not only is it not an addition added by later, later in, in history, it is the foundation of the whole claims of Christianity and claim of Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? That makes it pretty important. All right. <clears throat> so, all right. And then he goes on. He says, and does them. So here's my words, and then does them. And that's the emphasis throughout this whole section is the doing. The, uh, the doing reveals the inward character of being wise. If you do it, then you're wise. Uh, your character has been transformed. And it's the same Greek word through this whole section that uh, Jesus, again, if you'd heard the sermon, if I just stood up here and read it in the original language especially, uh, you would have heard the same word repeated. I can't speak Greek, but it's poieo, uh, is what I think it's pronounced as. It means to do. And it also is, it's what, it's the same word translated for the tree that bears good fruit, or the tree that bear, the word bear is poyeo. Uh, to do is poyeo. And so they're hearing poyeo. Are you doing? Are you bearing? Are you doing, uh, um, the, my words? Are you doing the will of the Father? Are you bearing good fruit? Or are you, are you bearing bad fruit? <laughs> and so the emphasis throughout this section, and this section has to do with the description or illustrations of authentic disciples living the life that Christ is calling people to. So our actions reveal our nature. You want to know what you are on the inside? Look at what you do on the outside and the words that come out of your mouth. You know? Really. So that, that is our, our actions reveal our nature. But the message of the Gospel is that that nature can be transformed. Uh, it can be renewed through an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ as Savior. It's not what you're good or bad, and, and, and we're just going to be sorted out. It's that we're all bad. And by coming and following Christ, by, by responding to the invitation, follow me, you know, live this way, hear my words, and do them, uh, you, 
your nature can be transformed. And we know, or you'll know, that your nature is transformed when your, your actions demonstrate it and your words demonstrate it. That's the evidence of having a transformed life. And so this is a theme... <clears throat> That connects the whole section from verse 13 through 29. Uh, he continues on, verse 25, it says, And the rains descended, the floods came, and the wind blew and beat on the house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. The rain, the floods, the winds likely represent the trials of life. All, right? All the stuff that comes at you. Some people, some people write and describe it as, well, this is the judgment that's going to come. But I don't think that makes any sense to me, frankly. <laughs> I think it refers to Jesus is saying that um, the judgment will be based on the decisions and the actions we make in response to the issues and the pressures, the storms, the rains, the floods that happen in our life from day to day. So when those things happen, how we respond to them will be the basis for which we will be judged when we appear before Him on uh, the judgment, and every every you know, there's one there's there's you can read all about it. It's all in the Bible. But you're going to separate sheep and the goats, uh, believers and non-believers, and every believer appears before the judgment seat of Christ um, uh, to receive a reward based on the works that we've done in in our bodies. <clears throat> and so, um, and so, even as Christians, it doesn't mean whether or not you get in heaven, but it will determine. Uh, and we don't know. You know, it doesn't really give us any details. What does that mean? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Does that encourage you? <laughs> it's going to be good. I know that. <clears throat> um, but we'll have to answer. And, uh, and, uh, and we'll have to give account. And in one sense, it's a little scary. But if you're in a relationship with Jesus, and the more you get to know Him, it becomes less scary and more hopeful. Yeah. You know, more confident. That he, 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 the one who hung on the cross for you is going to be the one that you're going to look at. He gave his all. All right. So uh, that's a judge that we can we can look forward to seeing. <clears throat> all right. What's at issue is whether we respond according to the will of the Father and Jesus' word or disregard them and practice lawlessness. Both demonstrating whether. Uh, our relationship with the Father and Jesus is authentic or not. So again, all of these illustrations are driving home the point. Jesus is trying to, to uh, communicate that in order to be one of His disciples, in order to be in the kingdom, it has to be genuine. It has to be authentic. And it's very important that Jesus states that um, <clears throat> He does not say that we will avoid storms if we are obedient. Yeah. All right? He says that we will endure the storms. All right? He's not going to avoid the storms. In fact, this is the promise of Scripture. One of the, one of the promises of Scripture you can cling to. All right? Your parade is going to be rained on. All right? Your house is going to get flooded. Flooded? You ever had a flooded house? Not anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> They've endured. <laughs> Their house had been flooded many times over the past years, but the roof is fixed. Praise God. Uh, your house is going to get blown upon. There's going to be an indeed upon. Wow. So, Jesus is actually promising all this stuff is going to happen. But the blessing is that um, 
Uh, if our lives are built, if our house is built on Jesus' words and doing the will of the Father, then we will not fall. Our house will not fall. Uh, or it will not, we will not fail. So if our house is built on the foundation of the will of the Father and the words of Jesus Christ, it's, we're not going to fall apart in the midst of the storms and we're not going to fail. Um, you know, many people go through their whole life uh, feeling like they're a failure. In fact, I met a, a, a man who's probably about my age, uh, <coughs> probably older, his, his beard was gray. <laughs> Not like mine. <laughs> I, have, I have a little more hair than he does. <laughs> Just in different places. <laughs> All right. Now, here we go. Sorry. But he was sharing. Sharing that he went through this uh, incredible depression a few years ago. And uh, he said it was really just realized, he felt like he was a complete failure. And, and, and he, he just, he, he didn't want to continue living. Uh, he ended up going to counseling, he said, and, and he realized it was actually pride. Uh, that, that feeling is actually pride, it's kind of false humility. Um, and, but what happened was, um, the end of the story was that um, he began reading the book, of, including counseling, he started reading through Romans. Uh, and he said, one day I woke up and I was happy. <laughs> I thought, wow, that's great. <clears throat> but the idea, so many people don't get, to the, don't get through. They just end up feeling like a failure. Um, and listen, the kingdom of God is not about saying your life is a failure. The kingdom of God and, and the words of Christ is about making your life a success. Uh, a life, uh, your house being built that can endure the storms, that can endure the floods, the trials of life, and not fall. And so you're not a failure. Say, I'm not a failure. I'm not a failure. That's the truth. That's because you're a follower of Christ. Amen. And you're founded on the rock. I'm going to go to the next slide. <clears throat> and uh, um, uh, so... Jesus is actually referring to the next point in Isaiah 28:16. Um, this is uh, practically Jesus is practically quoting Isaiah 28:16 and 17. Uh, he doesn't reference it and says this. Therefore, this is what the Sovereign Lord says: Look, I am placing a foundation stone in Jerusalem, a firm and tested stone. It is a precious cornerstone that is safe to build on. Whoever believes need never be shaken. All right, and so as Jesus is talking about this, many of the people in the congregation uh, listening to him uh, learn these verses. You know that, that uh, all all the boys uh, in uh, Jewish families would memorize the first five books of the the Old Testament. It's called the Torah, um, and uh, those who were good went on to memorize the whole of the Old Testament. And certainly they'd all learned it. And so they would have rec ref uh, recognized um, the similarity in, in Jesus' words. And he's basically saying, I am that stone. And it continues on in verse 17. It says, uh, the prophet continues saying, I will test you. This is the Lord speaking to His people through the prophet. I will test you with the measuring line of justice and the plumb line of righteousness. And Jesus has been talking and defining what kingdom righteousness is all the way through the beginning of the, of the sermon. And now he's, he's coming to the point that, hey, you're going to be tested on this just as the prophet foretold. Uh, since, and then the prophet speaking to the people of his day, since your refuge is made of lies, a hailstorm will knock it down.
found refuge, your house, your place of protection. Since it is made of deception, a flood will sweep it away. So the same imagery is used by the uh, Isaiah who had prophesied that many centuries previously. And then uh, Peter, as he's addressing the church, uh, after Jesus' resurrection, many years later, <clears throat> writing to the church, explaining the same idea, referencing to Christ, and how Jesus fulfilled the prophecies from the Old Testament. It says, Therefore it is contained in Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes in Him will by no means be put to shame. How many people want to live without shame? Come on. All you need to do is believe on Him. Begin to live a life that, uh, that uh, is in obedience, is in response to that belief, that's consistent with that belief, and you'll live without shame. It says, Therefore, to you who believe, He is precious, verse 7, but to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble being disobedient to the Word to which they were also appointed. And notice here that in the Scripture, there's a contrast between you who believe with those who are disobedient. It's not you who believe to those who don't believe. It's you who believe are contrasted with those who are disobedient. And the reason for that is that in the Hebrew language and in the Hebrew worldview and the way that they thought, there was no difference between believe and obey. And as I've been told, I'm not a Hebrew scholar, but the Hebrew scholars that have talked to me about this point <clears throat> is actually there isn't a different word. But in our culture, in our language, which is influenced so uh, significantly by the Greek, Amen. that we have a belief system, we can, we can, people embrace a belief system that is completely contradictory with their, their lifestyle. All right? And that's, you know, it's called dualism. <clears throat> uh, and as, as though that's okay, or that's normal, you know. And I believe this, but I'm, I'm struggling to actually live it. I don't really feel it. But in the Hebrew mindset, they'd be going like, well, what, are they trying, what are they talking about? You actually can't even say that in the Hebrew language. Because it's just not part of their, the way they think. There's no dichotomy between belief and obedience. If you believe, you will obey. And if you disobey, then you are demonstrating you don't believe. Alright? Now this may seem like a harsh truth. <laughs> but it, it's honest. Okay? It's just honest. It, 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 it means you can't hide behind this, this facade of like, well, I believe it, but I'm not living it. No, really, you don't believe it. Because if you really believed it, you would do it. You know? So it's more honest to say, well, I aspire, I, I can acknowledge that, that what Jesus is saying or what, what God calls me to is, is right. I, I don't have it operating. In some, in some way, I'm not believing it. It's better to say, I don't really believe that and just own up to it. You know? You can say, I, I aspire to it, but it's not in me yet. Uh, I recognize, and, and that's, a st that's, re that's actually repentance. Mm -hmm. That's actually coming to a place where you realize you're wrong and he's right. Uh -huh. And then the fruits of repentance is doing right and no longer doing wrong. It's as simple as it is.
But if you think you can live in a continued state of, well, this I believe, but my actions doesn't matter, it just, you know, it just doesn't make sense. And it's not being honest. It's not being genuine. It's not being authentic. And that's the whole point at the end, this whole part of the, after Jesus presents what righteousness is, He emphasizes in the ending that you have to live it authentically. It's not enough just to call me Lord. You actually have to live it. <clears throat> and in living it, it demonstrates uh, that you have been transformed uh, by the character. Your character has been transformed. Does that make sense? Yeah. <clears throat> All right. You know, it would, be, it would be more harsh. And again, if you think that's harsh, it would be a, a much worse thing to tell someone, as long as, you, as long as you intellectually agree to these principles, you'll end up, you know, okay, eternally, and then end up facing Jesus and being one of those that said, yeah, you called me Lord, but I never knew you. Right. Right? That's harsh. All right? So, uh, facing truth now is, is, is the message of the Gospel. That we have the opportunity to hear truth and be changed by that truth. Alright, moving on. Verse 26. 27 says, but whoever, everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rains descended, the flood came, the wind blew and beat the house and it, and it fell and great was its fall. Uh, both individuals hear the same words, build a house and experience the storms of life. So there's a lot of similarities between the two. Uh, one of the things that you need to do is never judge yourself or judge other people uh, by the circumstances they're in, all right? Everyone's everyone experiences storms, all right? Floods and being beat upon. Your storm may look different than your neighbors, your friends, or the person whose lifestyle you can't even imagine. Now, you can't determine from your perspective: is that the storm you're seeing, or is, or are you calling the storm judgment? Right. Maybe the storm isn't the judgment. It's just their storm. And their storm looks different than your storm. Does that make sense? Yeah. And no matter what storm you're in, the message is, if you respond to Jesus' words, you can have a foundation that will endure that storm. So somebody's life can be so... You look at that and you say, obviously they've done something wrong. And maybe they have. Maybe there's been. Maybe you don't know the history. All right. You don't judge them based on that any more than you want to be judged based on your circumstances. Amen. What we see teaching. What we see Jesus teaching uh, applies to everyone. Hear him and do what he says, and we'll have the wisdom to respond to whatever storms come uh, hit us during life. We'll, We'll know how to respond so that we don't fall apart. Right? In the midst of whatever storm, he gives us that promise. I like how the message puts it, again, uh, in such a fitting way. It says, these words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your lives. Uh, homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words, words to build a life on. If you work these words into your life, you're like a smart carpenter who builds his house on solid rock. Rain poured down, the river flooded, tornado hit, but nothing moved that house. It was fixed to the rock. Uh, But if you just use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, you're like a stupid carpenter 
uh, <coughs> I'm sure Jesus didn't use that word. <laughs> who built his house on sandy beach. Uh, when a storm rolled in and the waves came up, it collapsed like a house of cards. So Jesus presents two types of people throughout the whole uh, sermon. There's authentic uh, disciples, authentic disciple, uh, followers, and not authentic. So authentic people who respond genuinely and those who don't. And so he uses different pictures, images. Those who choose the narrow and hard path versus those who choose the wide and easy path. You, you talk about being sheep or being wolves. Being good trees that bear good fruit or being bad trees that bear bad fruit. Doing the will of the Father or practicing lawlessness. Hearing and doing Jesus' teaching or hearing and not doing His teaching. Wise and foolish. Those who build on the rock, those who built on the sand, those who prevailed and those who failed. Two categories, you're going to fit into one another. Jesus is saying there's two kinds of people in life. <clears throat> and according to Jesus' teaching, if you read through the Sermon on the Mount, what determines the category that your name is going to be put under? Read it. Read through it. It's our choices. Our actions. Throughout the whole Sermon on the Mount, there's nothing in there that speaks of outside uh, influences. There's no other <coughs> circumstance or input that, uh, that determines, according to Jesus' teaching, whether you are one of the sheep or one of the wolves, other than how you respond, the choices you make, and the, and the actions that you live. You know, if you receive to hear, believe, and live it, you're, you fall in the one category of being wise. You're a sheep. If you, if you hear it and you don't, if you don't hear it, refuse to hear it, if you hear it and reject it, or if you hear it and intellectually say, assent to it, but don't live it, all of those of you fall into the other category. And so it's a very clear <clears throat> uh, distinction between the two. And I think it's a powerful picture that Jesus paints that, that who we are is determined by our response to His teaching. And it doesn't matter who you were. Right. Yay! Right? Your past, your, your future is not determined by your past. Right. Your present is determined by your past. But your future is determined by your present. Right. What you do now will determine where you end up. Wow. All right? And that's always true. It's always true. So you, lo you learn how to live in the now uh, and, and determine your life uh, to, to, to end up with Jesus in eternity. And what we do reveals who we are. These are just basic truths that permeate all of Jesus' teaching. The Life Application Bible <clears throat> says this concerning that, this portion of the Scripture. It says, Most people do not deliberately, most people, probably I don't think anyone, deliberately seek to build on a false or inferior foundation. Instead, they just don't think about uh, their life's purpose. And they don't realize that the decisions they're making are actually foundational stones uh, upon which their, their life is being built on. Many people are headed for destruction, not out of stubbornness, but out of thoughtlessness. Really. And uh, part of our responsibility as believers is to help others stop and think. You know, pause, take a minute, think about where their lives are headed and point out the consequences of ignoring uh, Christ's message. I would add to what the Life Application Bible said that uh, um, that they actually have never heard Jesus' teaching. Many people don't even know there's another option. Uh, you can't assume the people that you work with 
the people that you meet on the streets, the people that you uh, are in the stores that you uh, frequent, uh, or the restaurants you frequent, that they have any clue of what Jesus actually taught. Most people in our world today have no first-hand knowledge of, of truth as, as Scripture reveals. Um, very few, you know, maybe they went to church a couple of times. Most people are three or four generations away from uh, genuine, uh, uh, spirit-filled, uh, biblical-based uh, traditions. And so we have to go out in the world and recognize that people don't even know. They haven't heard Jesus' words. They haven't had the option to reject them. Um, and so it's our challenge is to present the message in a way that makes sense, that doesn't dilute Jesus' message, and it draws people in. And this always begins by demonstrating it in our personal life. Alright? We can't preach the message if we're not living the message. The most powerful point, uh, the way to communicate it is by living it. But we also need to speak it. We have to tell people why we're living the way we are. Okay, the last uh, couple of verses says, verse 28 and 29, And so it was when Jesus ended these sayings that the people were astonished at His teaching, for He taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. And then the message, when Jesus concluded the address, the crowd burst into applause. They had never heard teaching like this. It was apparent he was living everything he was saying, quite a contrast to their religious teachers, religion teachers. This was the best teaching they had ever heard. I like how the message translates um, one having authority as he was living everything he was saying. And that was the evidence of him having the authority. It was demonstrated by his life. Well, I believe that you and I are called to live Christ-like. Okay, that means that we are to live that in our personal lifestyle, but also we are to live that in the way we present the message. Right? You know, we are to follow Christ. We are to be His disciples. That means that we are not just to live like Him in, in how we make decisions in life, but we are to live like Him in how He communicated the Gospel. Right? With His lifestyle and His words. Is this making sense? How are they going to hear? Do you think people in the world are just going to go, hey, let's go to church this morning? You know, it would be great. We have 250 chairs. We have yet to have them all filled on a service. You know, uh, if there's there's uh, there's at least 150 to to 200,000 people within 20 minute drive of this building that don't know the gospel. Minimum, all right? They're not going to come because they drive by and see the 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 sign on the road. This is New Day Community Church. Oh, honey, stop! Did you see that? There's a church. <laughs> How are they going to come? They're going to come when they see it in your life. And then they hear it with your words. And you say, hey, it's free. Really? Yeah. You can be transformed. There's people dying out there. They're dying. Literally. Um, because they haven't heard the teaching. So I believe that if we present the gospel like Jesus, um, uh, uh, just as the crowd responded to Jesus, people who encounter authentic disciples preaching an authentic gospel... Uh, there will be just as a powerful response as Jesus saw in His day. And we can believe that. We can have confidence that people are going to respond when we're living it and we're preaching it. God bless you. That's the Sermon on the Mount. Thank you. 24 sections finally completed. 24 seconds. I love it. We're going to get ready and take an offering today.
If you um, haven't seen the connection cards, they also have a lot of other things on them. This is kind of something I'm passionate about. I know that people are praying for me. I write something down, and I know that somebody is praying for me. And we can tell. Our lives show it. Talk to any of and talk to me. It's true. So right before we do that, I've got a few announcements. We're getting ready for our annual Christmas party, and there's a sign-up, and that's probably on that communication card too at some point. One of the things that um, was mentioned to me was that the kids, they're going to have their names picked, and they'll be given gifts. So if you haven't done that, talk to Sue Yerdy and get a kid, get a kid picked so that they get honored and they have their, their gift. There's also the talent show. And we want you to share your talents. We've had some really cool stuff. It's very much fun. Um, and let's see. The women are going to be having a bake sale that um, is going to go and help towards our cost for the women's retreat this spring. And that is coming up oh, next, week? Yeah, next week. So all the women are encouraged to bring something in a package it however you feel is the right way. We do it donation-based, and they'll all go towards helping with that. So if the ushers want to come, we can get ready. Um, there's our different ways there that you can give. That's important. Mm. Is there anything else before we do this? Okay. Father, we just, again, just want to say thank you so much for everything that you've given to us, and we want to give back to you. Lord, you've just met every need and continue to meet the needs not only financially but in our hearts and our families. And we just say thank you and offer it to you. Amen. And Cameron, you have a special announcement. A special. I have a mic. You do. A special announcement.